0: Atlassian. What's
1: up, everybody, and welcome episode 62 of the Talking Chop podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. and after a little bit of a uh, long absence for you, my friend, uh, we have Eric Cole on the podcast today. What's up, Eric?
0: By court order, I wasn't allowed to be on the show for a while. I'm not really sure what happened, but you know... (laughs)
1: uh, you have your own podcast now, so i try to i try I to do. let you I try to let you do that uh and not steal you too often and uh but of course it, now, now that now the season's rolling on i need I need my prospect fixed too, so uh you're the person I trust the most on braves things uh so there you, there you go welcome Sarah. I appreciate you doing this
0: absolutely it's good to be here.
1: Uh, we will get to some minor league stuff later on, uh, and that's. But you're also uh, a major league guy as well. You do both, so. Uh,
0: I I I have been known to watch the major league club from time to time.
1: You, you do. You're plugged in. Uh, things are not going the, super do, well. Do,
0: do they? Do they still play at Turner Field? Is that is that is that is that, tri- is that the case? Something else happened?
1: Yeah, they. I think they might have moved somewhere uh, recently. Uh, um Have awkward. you have you been by the way? Have you been? Oh uh, yeah, uh,
0: yeah I, w- I went. I went Easter Sunday. I went. I, I went.
1: I went the day before, so we were pretty close there.
0: Yeah, it was my daughter's first game. Uh, First baseball game ever, actually. So it was a a really good day. I caught a foul ball. Uh,
1: Wow, that is a good day.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure it hit three different people before it got to me, and I didn't even get out of my seat to get it, but I got it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, uh, that's good fortune. I've I've never caught one. This is is something of a sidebar, but I have never caught a ball, foul, fair, anything, at a baseball game, and I've been to hundreds of them. It's kind of bizarre, (laughs) but...
0: Well, she, she knew that my, my father-in-law had gotten balls in batting practice, so she really wanted one. So we went out there in the sun and for like an hour and a half and didn't really even come that close. And she started getting upset, and I told her, I'm like, look, I've been to a lot of baseball games. I haven't even come close to getting one. And then literally an Eric Ibar foul ball landed right in front of me.
1: Oh, shouts so. to Eric Ibar, Braves yep. legend.
0: Yep. Thank you, Eric. Appreciate uh, it.
1: <laughs> that's, uh, that's phenomenal. Um, well, things are going better for you than they are for the Braves. That was a segue, a professional segue, we would say, in the business. But uh, the Braves have lost six games in a row. Um, They even things up. Last time we were on the podcast, actually, a week ago, um, the team was six and I think five and six or six and six uh, and was scorching hot. And now they are the exact opposite of that after losing six in a row. So, I mean, it's too early to actually like panic and stuff, but today was another brutal loss. Uh, Saturday was brutal in the fact that the Braves came back and took the lead on the—well, uh, tie the game, then took the lead, uh, and then blew it in the bottom half of the 10th. Sunday was a slow bleed as well. Um, there were some positives, but um, back-to-back-to-back home runs in the eighth inning is never never yeah. good. Uh, so no, it's not good. No. Yeah, I mean— I guess we can just. I guess the easiest way to ask you this is: um, Is it time to panic and jump jump off bridges, or is this something that's just going to happen uh, from time to time with this team?
0: It, it is certainly not time to panic. But here's the caveat: If something could go wrong for the Braves, it has gone wrong. They've had uh, in Pittsburgh, they had a walk off home run by a guy who has now been suspended for like 80 games for PED use. <laughs> then we've we, uh, multiple bullpen collapses where like the Braves came back and rallied. And took a lead, only to have it lo- only to have it lost by the bullpen. Whether that be Jim Johnson or uh, today it was Vizcaino, and there's 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 been multiple culprits here with the bullpen uh, and what seems to be a historically bad bench. I mean, every time we need a pinch hitter and like we have like two on or the bases loaded, and then Snickers goes, "Okay, Emilio Bonifacio, go do your thing." It's 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 painful because you feel like you know what's going to happen, and. I, I don't have a great solution to that problem because bench bats are always going to be, you know, hit and miss anyway, but ours is really, really bad. So, I don't know, maybe with Ryan Howard getting signed, and maybe he, he, maybe he can be like a pinch hitter, where at the very least you have to kind of be afraid to throw him strikes because he, you know, he's not the player he used to be, but he, you know, he can still hit a ball a long way if you just pipe it down the middle. So, I don't know, I mean... The the way, the way the Braves have lost has felt worse than the like a six and ten or a 6-11 record this early doesn't really mean that much to me um, and with it just feels particularly bad because of the way it's happened because you could very easily see five or five of those games ending up being wins for the Braves but because either you know Dansby's luck on balls and play has been awful the bench has been bad um, the bullpen's you know thrown away some games I mean it, they could easily have a winning record right, right, right now but instead we're just kind of we we get to watch these games where we're like, hey, this could happen this time. Oh wait, never mind. You know, it's been peak barves. and you don't. It's not. It, that's not a good feeling, and I understand why that's upsetting to some people. But at the same time, they've been in these games a lot of these games late, and I feel like some of that's going to even out down the road.
1: Yeah, it could have been much worse, as you're as you're putting it, um, and the fact that the Braves are. <laughs> I don't know. They are minus 20 in run differential, so that's not that's not great. But I'm no. I'm also with you in that there's been some opportunities that they've been that they've squandered in uh, in various avenues. I mean, I mean, you look at look at today's game, and that's uh that's a that's again a got got out of hand in a hurry there. And even then, even late, they still had another chance with uh, what bases loaded to come back and potentially uh, even things up. So it's a spot where it's frustrating. Uh, it's been it was like, I mean, sat, last night Saturday night as we're this on Sunday, that game was infuriating just for a yep. number of reasons. Uh, just even the way they lost in the bottom of the 10th with like just balls that were uh playable but the plays didn't get made in the field you know there's just kind of uh it, it's been something different all well, the time but it's well been frustrating.
0: and then and, and then there's like the cb buckner game where yep. he could he couldn't figure out how to play he, he couldn't do do any aspect of his job well at all <laughs> as an umpire uh and then you have the, like you know when you mentioned the run differential really you can look at bryce harper owning T- julio tehran in a game a bad bartolo start and then the game today and that's almost all of that run differential. those are just three losses you know what i mean but they it looks bad (laughs) you know what i mean those games were not fun to watch obviously but at the same time with when you're dealing with small sample sizes things can get look a little wonky and i'm I'm just not that worried yet
1: yeah i do think run run differential is a good indicator later on but right now it doesn't mean a whole lot it's just worth pointing out at least you mentioned actually i was we were talking about this later but let's just get to it now since you mentioned it uh Julio is a guy that I enjoy a great deal, but uh, I I wrote this down to talk about Bryce Harper and the fact that he just, for some reason, absolutely owns Julio. Uh, The numbers are kind of staggering.
0: Uh, Yeah, it's pretty bad.
1: I'm going to read these off. Uh, 33 career plate appearances against Tehran. Uh, Harper has 15 hits, seven homers, 17 RBIs, and five walks. He has a 455, 538, and a 1,182 slugging percentage. Uh, so, I mean, it's a small sample, but it feels like, I mean, it's Bryce Harper. So there's there's worse guys to own you. I mean, he's one of the best players in the sure. league. So I, I get it. But man, it's it feels like it's even crazier than even the numbers indicate. It's I'm almost expecting him to go yard every time he play every time he faces Tehran. And because Tehran is your best pitcher and this is a divisional opponent, that's kind of a terrifying feeling.
0: Yeah, I feel like Tehran's approach too is like he he kind of takes that rivalry personally. Like, you know, like it's an interdivision rival and obviously Bryce Harper is both a very, very, very talented player and also not a particularly well-liked one and Braves fans. And I'm sure that the Braves players just want to like, you know, just blow him, just blow the ball past him and be dumb with him. Um, I just don't think Tehran has that stuff. And I feel like he's pretty aggressive the way he pitches to him. Just kind of like, you know, pitches that are kind of like middle in and then, you know, just daring him to hit it. And Bryce Harper, I mean, Bryce has a lot of things and he as a guy that you can definitely – there's holes that you can take advantage of at times. But he's not the kind of guy you can just like pipe it in the strike zone and not have a lot – really something on it and, and then not get punished for it. Because like I said, he's one of the best talented players in baseball. So I wonder if his approach in those at-bats is necessarily, is good. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's Bryce Harper. Uh, the, the numbers aren't good. And, I mean, 33 career at-bats, I mean, that's not a big sample size, but it's not a really small one either. So, I mean, it's just kind of one of those things that unfortunately – Braves fans are going to have to deal with, um, but as far as I mean, that, that's pretty much the only guy that comes to mind that's really kind of gotten the Julio consistently. So I mean, it's kind of one of those "it is what it is" type things.
1: Yeah, I just wanted to even when when you it's, see it's this, it's it's really
0: bad. Yeah, yeah,
1: the slugging percentage over a thousand. Uh, that's not that's not an OPS. That's a slugging percentage by itself. Uh, it's kind of uh, just makes it funny and uh, just worth pointing out for the future if and when this Braves team actually becomes competitive enough. It
0: looks kind of like Freddie. It looks like Freeman's line from like last week. It's unreal.
1: Yeah, Freeman has been. Uh, absurd um he did reach base on 12 straight, oca- 12 straight occasions last week to set a, a braves record um he actually went over four on sunday and still has absurd numbers he has a 238 wrc plus after an 0 for four game so that kind of tells you how crazy freddy's been
0: that uh, is silly yeah
1: yeah it's 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 nuts i mean it's not sustained i know it's not sustainable but like do you think like do you buy into freddy as like and, and actually like an uber elite hitter because for the last calendar year like he's the best hitter in baseball And i'm not sure he's that but there's an argument now that he might be one of the five seven best hitters in the league is that sustainable you think
0: uh i mean i he certainly is in the conversation though the thing that you like is that you know he's not they're they're not cheap hits you know he's not a guy that's like you know like getting seeing eye singles you know he's just he's hitting line drives all over the field and his power to both fields is is crazy good uh, I think that by the numbers, um, and we might talk about this in a bit is I, th- I think that SunTrust Park is a good place for him, which is going to help, uh, just in terms of like, you know, if we're wanting to see what his WRC plus or, you know, how he ranks against the rest of the league in terms of numbers, I think that's going to help him. Uh, but just, he's for the last, I mean, I guess since from the second half last year until now, he's just, he hits hard line drives. Uh, he hits lefties well. He, I mean, and obviously he hits righties well. I mean, he's, cause he's again, been one of the best hitters. Um, is he going to do this all year? Absolutely not. But I mean, and I, I struggle to think that he'd ever be like a 300 hitter, but I mean like 282, 290 with like one of the best WRC pluses in the game because he hit, he just makes so much hard contact is not that far off for me. Um, I think he's kind of going to be a guy for the foreseeable future where he can be like in an MVP discussion. Um, uh, it just, it just kind of depends, you know, if he gets on a, re- like, you know, like he started the year as probably the best hitter in baseball, right? You know, if he can like string together string together a couple streaks where he does that, I don't know if anyone else is going to be able to keep up with him. If that's the case, but if he ends up just turning into a regular Freddie that we kind of know with those streaks, that's still a very good offensive year. You know, and and I mean, he, he's in the conversation. It's hard to say, right? I mean, like some of the best hitters in baseball right now are like are slumping terribly. So, you know, small sample size warning. You know is worth taking into consideration, but you'd rather, you'd certainly rather be hitting, hitting well now when pitchers usually have an advantage over hitters, uh, than you would, than you know, if he was like, you know, started the year like two for 20 or something like that, like he started last year.
1: Yeah. This doesn't matter at all, but coming into Sunday, this is before the, before the over four, it's worth noting, but he already had 1.5 fan war, uh, on April 22nd. He, he, he's been nuts, which is again, that's unsustainable, but Freddie is, uh, really, really good at baseball. And listen, he's 27 years old. Like this might just be, uh then i mean i don't want to say the new normal but like this this should be his prime i mean this is his physical prime in terms of uh as at the plate so it wouldn't be a surprise to see him have a i guess a better year than last year which i you know coming into the year i i said it would not be a shock to me if la- if 2016 was his best season ever um and because and by the way there's no shame in that because he was absolutely awesome no. last year um, no. but he might he might beat it in 2017 which would be nice um, well
0: I'm, i mean he's he's well on his way right now for sure and you know it's worth noting that like for the last couple of years he kind of had some weird nagging injuries like he had a wrist thing and he had you know like an ankle thing the year before that just kind of like these weird nagging injuries it's possible that you know a really real like a completely healthy Freddie Freeman is just one of the better hitters in baseball is that sustainable i mean when you play baseball you get dinged up so maybe he's kind of a guy that wants – if everything's firing right he is he can do this but you know at the same time with like you know some things bothering him he might not be nearly as good so
1: yeah, I mean, we'll, I mean, he's definitely healthy. At least he looks healthy. Yeah, well, well
0: if, if he's not healthy, then you know, keep doing whatever you did to him. Yeah, know, my he's...
1: goodness. Uh, yeah, Freddy's Freddie's been incredible, uh, and it's good to focus on him to make your life a little bit happier on this fine uh, Sunday evening. With that said, uh, people keep asking me, and I know it's too early to talk about this, but we haven't. I've, I've purposely spent the last two weeks on ignoring it on the podcast, but. I'm putting you on the spot along with myself now. Uh, people think that SunTrust Park is just a hitter's park now, for sure. Uh, it's still too early to say that, but it certainly feels like it's going to be one that might help Freddie in the future as well as some other people. But um, do you, does it feel that way to you? I, I, I guess some of these uh, some of these lazy fly balls that are getting out of the park. There was one on the, on the night that I was there. The, I believe it was from Adonis Garcia that I could not believe left the ballpark while being in the building. Is it feeling like to you that it might be a, a strong hitter's park? Is that? I guess I know it's too early, but I guess I have to ask. Uh,
0: I think. Generally speaking, it's going to be a favorable hitters park for left-handers. Um, now, now, what I've—I asked—I've talked to a few people about it, and the, the, I mean, it's right there on Windy Hill Road, and there, there's a reason why the name of that road is what it is because there is usually some wind out there. <laughs> um, and you would think they would just be in all different directions, but from what I understand is that generally speaking, the direction of the park—I don't think it was chosen by accident. I think that. The, when I was there, the wind was blowing out to left, but it was kind of like, uh, it was kind of like left to right. Uh, I mean, bro, it was blowing out to right and it was blowing left to right. So, and that seems to be what, from what I've seen, you know, again, usual small sample size stuff that, that seems to be where the wind goes. Um, so in, in that sense, I think it's going to be a hitter's park. I don't think there's anything about the dimensions. That's like super favorable pitchers or hitters because the right field dimensions are in, but the wall's also higher. So, you know, that means you really have to kind of get under the ball more. Does that what does that mean? I don't know, but I I didn't notice anything that was super out of the ordinary, but I will say that there was a there was a bit of a breeze and I feel like that maybe based on that location that there's going to be some wind if that's something that's a consistent thing. Then, you know, that that's where I would point to it being slightly a hitter's park, but I know that some folks were saying that they thought it was going to be slightly pitcher-friendly, and that's just not true at all.
1: Yeah, that was the thing that sort of struck me was that we all heard that coming in before yeah. baseball was ever played there, that it might be uh, more pitcher-friendly. And the people that I have talked to that are there all the time um, that I you know get some information from it feels like, you know, all you keep hearing is that the ball just jumps. And, and you throw in that relatively short porch and right, and right center that Freddie Freeman's already talked about, the, how, he, how yeah. much he enjoys the 375 in right center or whatever it is like that. Um, might just be, uh, I mean, it's not going to be coarse feel or anything, but it might no. be, uh, it's going to be favorable, I think.
0: Uh, yeah, it's, and it's, it, I will say this I, I was there for batting practice, and there wasn't
1: like balls getting launched out all the time. So well, good because I, I, that, that's that's the thing for me. I mean, not not, not to cut you off, but like I, I don't want it to be like crazy no. one way or the other. I like I like it to be somewhere in the middle, and even if it just leans one way, and we kind of know which way it leans. I just don't want it to become like even like you know Chase Field or Great American Ballpark, where like it's not quite coarse, but it's a very very strong hitters park. I'd rather it's somewhere yeah. or like, like some a White Sox
0: park where like you hit the ball and, like a pop up, all of a sudden the wind catches it and it goes four hundred feet somehow. Yeah,
1: yeah. I I don't want that. I mean, it might. I guess it might happen down the line if you know, especially when the wind's flowing. I mean, I guess the concern is that this early in the year when it's not hot yet, if the ball's already jumping like that. Then you could be uh, in some trouble because normally when it gets hot stuff, the ball starts flying out a little bit more, but we'll, we'll see.
0: Maybe. I don't know. It's a tough thing. It's tough to say. I don't it, know. it is.
1: It, it's too early. We know that, but, uh, worth talking about because people keep asking. So I w- wanted to say it sure. a little bit here. Um, before we get into some minor league stuff, I want to talk to you about a couple, couple of major league things. Uh, this, is, this one's more just because it angers me, and I want to tee you up, but why does Brian Snicker keep hitting Adonis Garcia at number two in the lineup? Why? <laughs> why, why,
0: um, is, why does he do this yeah,
1: to me, Eric? Why?
0: Life is pain, Brad. Life, life is, is pain. Life is pain. Uh, no, uh, look, Adonis Garcia, it's almost like he has like one game or hits one ball or makes one play at third base well enough that – it seems like Snicker sees it and goes, ah, he's finally coming around. You know what I mean? Like he'll make like one good play at third base, or he'll hit one home run in a big, you know, in a good spot, and then you're like, see, he, he, this is the guy we think he can be. The guy's like in his 30s, and for the most part, can't play third base well, and he is at best a platoon player on a bad team. Now, I'm not sure if the Braves are a good team, so maybe he is a platoon player on the Braves, but he shouldn't. He, he's not. He's not in the top five hit best hitters in this lineup, and somehow he's in the spot where we would probably put our best hitter if given the, the the opportunity. Um, I at this point I would rather just give either give real Ruiz a shot or you know basically almost anyone else at this point. You know maybe try to go find someone else because he he can give away at bats. He's a net negative on as a defender. I'm I'm kind of just over him. Uh, so why Snitger does it? I have no earthly idea. I think he's under the assumption that you know putting him in a different place in the lineup will you know magically give him powers and hitting ability that he's never had. But yeah, I, I'm at a loss. You know he's he's not he's not a particularly fun player for me to watch. Uh, is is Rio Ruiz down in Gwinnett? Is he a better option? I think I would enjoy watching him more for no other reason that at the very least Rio is a capable defender and I think he'd hit right right handers well, but or reasonably well anyway, but. I mean, just – you kind of count me out on the Adonis stuff.
1: There's there's an interesting thing that he Snicker has been doing, even in the media, and he's talked about he, – they, of course, moved Dansby Swanson down out of the two-hole to, I guess, to try to jumpstart him, but in the same breath – they moved Garcia, who was also struggling mightily, by the way, up to the two hole, and then talk about how he could be aided by some, you know, quote unquote lineup protection of Freddie Freeman, as if Dansby wasn't aided by the same thing. I don't know. It's just a lot of inconsistency from Snicker. And Listen, this is I understand lineup construction doesn't matter as much as I tend to talk about it, but like for instance, there was a there was I think it might have been Friday. Maybe even Saturday. I can't remember which one it was, but Garcia was easily the worst hitter in the lineup, and he was hitting in the number one position in the lineup, which is number two. So it's it's absolutely insane. Um, to, on the bright side, on Sunday, Garcia did not play, it should be noted, but Snit went to Brandon Phillips in the two-hole, and with the way Phillips has been swinging, that's uh, advisable. I'm, I actually wanted to ask about Phillips, too, because I come, I came into the year kind of negative on Phillips, and looking he, he's been great so far, and he had two more hits on yeah, Sunday. He-
0: yeah. And he looks good in the field too. I mean, like he's not, he's not the guy he like defensively, he's not the guy he used to be where he was, you know, a web gem waiting to happen a lot of times. Cause he's, you know, he's also very like theatrical, you know what I mean? Like he, yes. he'll, 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 spin around and he'll, he'll show off a little bit, but he's, you know, he's been great. He's been stealing bases too. I think he's like third in the like national league and stolen bases now, uh, which blows my mind. But, <laughs> yes. um, yeah, I mean, he, but he's, he's been doing everything right. I mean, he was one of the better players on the field when I saw him the Sunday I went, uh, he was just, was just playing really well. Um, I you know, I'm glad that Snicker decided to put him in the two hole because he's definitely been that's a good spot for him right now at least the way he's hitting. Uh, but there's a real, it, it's really concerning because you know a lot of us you, know, you and I included when they brought Snicker in they we wanted someone that maybe was a little bit more forward thinking tactically or at least wasn't just Freddie Garcia with a different uniform number on. We, we didn't want we, we didn't we didn't want we didn't want Freddie Gonzalez again right and. Tactically speaking, I mean,
1: It's, there's the, not, it's the same, um, same stuff. There, there, there's no,
0: there, it's the same bullpen management. It's the same running. You know, I mean, like there has to be someone else in pinch hitting situations that's better than Emilio Bonifacio in these in these like big bases loaded situations. There, I mean, I, I have to I have to believe that there has to be someone else on the bench that can do that and that hasn't done that. It, it, does he have a different demeanor? And do the players seem to like playing for him? I, I think so. But he's he's not gaining we, – we're not gaining any value from any managerial decisions that are being made. Um, every once in a while, he'll like bring in who he thinks his best reliever is in the eighth inning or something like that, and that's something that Freddie never did. But there's a concern that I have that as the course of the year, we're going to give away more and more, I guess, opportunities on the field because our, our manager is either stuck in a very specific way of thinking that is not – conducive to being successful against other teams that are thinking for in a forward-thinking way and can you know engineer things better than we can so it's not something I've that, that that's an issue that maybe that's one of the reasons why the Braves only gave you know only gave the one-year contract to him to kind of see how he actually did whenever he had the reins for a full year but it's it, it hasn't been very inspiring to watch in terms of like the managerial decisions that have been made
1: yeah, that's, that's a good way to put it. Uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes moving forward, but I've not been impressed. That's that's one thing that I will say. I'm, and this stuff off the field, it does, it does matter. It always matters more than I oh, yeah. more than I want to talk about, and people seem to like sticker but uh, on the field, the stuff that we can see, the tactical stuff, the strategic stuff, uh, it's not gone particularly well. I will say that. Um, but it's a small sample. Maybe he'll somehow improve. I'm skeptical of that, and I think that's one of the reasons, as you just said, that they didn't invest fully in him, which kind of drove me crazy at the time, because Either hire a guy or you don't, and they kind of took the half measure, which I didn't like. But still, um, I don't want to go get too deep into that. Again, it's just worth noting that uh, things are going going wrong that uh, could be avoided, and that's all, that's all we'll say about that. Agree. Agree. Before we get out of Major League, Major League land, I wanted to ask you, how, how do you feel about the last couple of days uh, Aaron Blair was up as a long man? He went back down. Matt Whistler was up after that to replace him. Are you okay with those guys kind of ping-ponging back and forth into the uh, emergency long relief? Well, of course, it was created by sort of a bullpen need, so I understand that. But uh, do you are you okay with those t- two guys in particular being the guys who are going to go up and down and become the long men when they need that?
0: Well, I know I know that Callmenter uh, wasn't available, and that's one of the reasons why they called Blair up first. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't think Blair minded. Uh, everything I've heard, he did It was it was kind of understood that it was going to be a short term thing. Uh, I don't think he's going to miss a start because of it. And honestly, I mean, his first start in AAA was a disaster. It was really bad, but ever since then, he's actually looked pretty good. Uh, his delivery is different. He you know, when he was in the majors, he kind of like whenever his delivery, he would like have like a long coil. He like almost twist all the way backwards and then throw. Uh, he's like gotten rid of a lot of that noise, and he's locating his fastball bat much better, and his sliders looked good. So I, I was kind of hoping that you know maybe he was going to be sticking around for a little bit longer. Uh, now Matt Whistler, on the other hand, um, if you need a bullpen guy and you just need him for a couple days, I guess that's fine because you want maybe you want Blair to get the start, you know, make sure he doesn't miss his start, but Whistler. His home run problem is really, really bad. Um, he, when he gives up, you look at every game he's get played this year. I mean, it's two or three home runs every game. You know, he's leaving his pitches up, and you know he has a, he has a real slider that he can use as a weapon, but his fastball location is like middle, middle. And you know when he's not he's not throwing particularly hard, so all he's doing is throwing batting practice to some of these guys who know how to hit. And this is just against AAA hitters, so I'm. I'm I'm much much lower on Whistler at this point now, uh, but I do see a potential for Blair to do something potentially still as a starter. Um, that's more of a wait and see type thing, but I, I, right now with Whistler I just I don't see i I, I see little to no hope uh, that he's ever going to be anything just because he can't keep the ball in the yard he's he's too hittable and he's just gonna get knocked around by these big league hitters.
1: Yeah, the command's just not good enough. He, he has to be perfect to pitch well because of the stuff just not being that good. It's been my concern for a while, and I know we have a couple of guys who really like him. Carlos likes him. Um, Zach Diller likes him. Guys that I guys that I respect, but it's, I just don't get it honestly at this point in time. And I, I liked uh, so I, the profile was okay. It's just that he has to be perfect. When, every,
0: when, when everything goes right because you have to paint right. the corner. You have to paint the corners with his stuff. You have to go like if you want to be in the you know if you want to be in the middle like you know from top to bottom. If you want to be in the middle, you need to be in. Or you need to be on the outside corner because you can't just pipe it in them down the middle. He doesn't have that kind of stuff. There's no, there's not real run in his fastball. His changeup is fine as a t- change of pace pitch, and his slider is legitimately good. But if you're sitting on his fastball and you once it comes, it there's n- it's not doing anything that's going to fool you.
1: Well, it's yeah, just not, so. it's it's the situation where I mean, for instance, like he's, he's allowing almost almost a home run and a half per nine innings in the majors. Um, and it's not that it's not that small of a sample, but like his 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 control was good. Like by a regular starter standard, he's only walking three guys per nine in his major league career. But he has to be a guy who walks like one and a half per nine, just because he cannot give up base runners. Because he's always going to give up, even if he fixes the home run problem, so to speak. He's always going to give up more than you want because of the fact that he's so hittable. If he misses it all, it's going to be meat for other people and he just has to be an elite control guy he's just not elite he's good enough to like be a you know he's a major league-ish pitcher like he's not an embarrassment on the mound like he has a career 4.88 era that's not good at all but it's not like you can't function like he could be a fifth starter for a bad team i guess but aside from that in terms of like upside where where, where this rotation is probably headed with all the guys that they have competing for these spots in, in the future i just i don't really see that spot for him i just don't i'm with you uh, well, anyway, I wanted to at least get that out there, because it's sort of a news item, too, that those guys were uh, up and down, and uh, Whistler, I guess, is still on the team as we record this, so we'll see how long he lasts up, up. but uh, yeah, that was it was all spurred on by Colbert being unavailable, but still, the fact that they went went ahead and brought Whistler up again after they sent Blair down was kind of, uh, I don't know if that, it wasn't that weird, but it was uh, at least noteworthy that he that they were able and willing to do that. Um one more thing about calls from Triple A. We mentioned Ryan Howard at the top. Uh, he looked good in Gwinnett in his debut, but you know what does that mean? Uh, are you are you at all excited about Howard? Is he a guy that like could function? On? Obviously, he's a non defensive entity, entity, but he also would probably be the best hitter on the bench right now in the major league. So, do you think he can be up anytime soon? We were talking, we were talking about this like probably two weeks ago, and he didn't even appear in Gwinnett all over the weekend. So, I guess it's the timeline is sort of funny. But do you think he can be helpful when and if he arrives?
0: Um, we had uh, Jeff Jones, uh, one of our writers. He saw Ryan down in uh, extended, and he said that you know he looked he looked fine. He was he was still trying to get in game shape, and now that he's in AAA, meaning obviously he's only had one game, but he looked good there. I don't know how do I put it. I don't. I mean, I would put him on the bench right now anyway. I wouldn't it wouldn't matter to me in the slightest if we did that or not, because he I mean the, right now the bench is so bad that having someone that at least has some that has some ability to put fear in pitchers and make them understand that the, you know, there's gonna be consequences for, you know, just throwing strikes that he can still turn around on a pitch, uh, even if he can't do it as much as he used to. I mean, I don't think he needs to stay in Gwinnett long because honestly, he's not competing against anyone that He's not competing against anyone on that bench that's really going to have a long baseball career beyond this year. Regardless, I just don't know how that affects certain other roster decisions, like you know who's going to be backup center fielders and in the outfield and things like that. So I'm hopeful, but that he'll be up soon because I just rather have a bat that is worth something uh, on the bench. But also, I mean, all he would be doing is backing up Freeman. And because you can't, mean you can't put you can't put Ryan Howard in the outfield. I just don't see that. You can't put him anywhere. No, he's he's, he's a pure bench
1: bat. Which listen, I mean, it's it's kind of funny to talk about it because uh, I'm all about some versatility on the bench. um, But as bad as the bats are, like you just have to have a single pinch hitter. And right now, you just don't have that. I mean, how how long can you? I mean, even. The scenario now that Snicker keeps using bonifacio is infuriating anyway on a number of levels, but it's not as if he has a good option. I mean there are better options than Bonifacio, um, but that's a low bar to clear. And I think, you know, when you're when your best bench bat is Either you know, if Tyler Flowers is off that day, it's Tyler Flowers, and if it's not, it's probably what Jace Peterson. That's terrifying. You have to you have to have somebody else to pinch hit in a big spot, and they just don't have anyone right now. So yeah, nope. call, call up Ryan Howard as soon as he's even close to ready. I, I'm with you on that all the way, and I'm not sure they'll yeah, me, do it. I mean,
0: yeah and you know there, I, there's nothing you lose if it doesn't work out you know right. what I mean he's not you didn't you didn't sign him to a big a big money deal or anything like that but there there there's real upside with Ryan because you know there are games where a lot of these games where if we just needed two runs driven in I mean Ryan's not good at a lot of things, but he can hit a ball far. So, <laughs> yes. um,
1: Braves fans know that too well because, uh, of course, he's a famously well, uh, tormented the Braves for a long time. But he's not that guy anymore. But uh, at least has power. There's no question about that. He's a he's a terrifying guy, in the, especially against right-handed pitching. You don't, you don't want to see him if you're the opposition in the box. No, he,
0: he, SunTrust will treat him well too.
1: Absolutely, if he is a, even a even a I don't even know if he's eighty percent of his old self, then he'd be terrifying in yeah. that park. Um, uh, I'm
0: not sure if we're at a eighty,
1: <laughs> maybe sixty percent fifty percent something, I don't know. So if he's uh, a function result, so
0: yeah, it still would be the best bench bat by far on this team.
1: That's a low bar, but yes. Um well, I, I have to ask you about some minor league stuff. Uh, you of course have the podcast, and I expect you to plug uh, vociferously on this uh, on on this show. But I'm not uh, good at the plugging brand. I know I'll do at... it for you later if you don't do it well yourself. <laughs> um, but I saw you were in Rome a little bit recently, so talk to me yep. about that and uh, anything that's like sort of either surprised you or encouraged you or even terrified you uh, that you've seen the minor league level in the next couple of weeks.
0: Ah, uh, sure. Um, it's been it's been a lot of fun to start the year. Uh, it's always fun just like when all the teams get started, you kind of know where everyone is and you get to see how you I – mean the, the, the best part for us is like you know we have to kind of guess where these guys are going to go and how they're going to do. Uh, and a, a lot of it is just kind of hopes and prayers because you uh, – a, a full off season with these guys, that especially they're so young. Their bodies change. Their workout regimens change. You know, And you don't know exactly how healthy they were to end the year. You're not really 100 percent sure how healthy they are to go into the year. Um, so it's been a lot of fun for us um i started we, we kind of spread out a bit um jeff was in he saw a couple fire frogs games uh, i saw the home opener at rome and as well as the the saturday game after that uh garrett i think has already been to Gwinnett. uh the only place that we haven't had eyeballs on uh in terms of live has been mississippi just because it's so far away um but luckily with the move to fire frogs to florida we actually have you know someone that's like you know within the time zone uh to actually see them. Um, Rome was interesting because that team is really weird. It, there's like 60 runners on that team. There's like – I'm sorry. There's like six or seven runners on – like base runners on that team. They're like 60 to 70 grade. <laughs> they're, all, they're all super fast. But then you have Darian Cruz, Christian Pache, Randy Ventura – um, let's see, and there's and th- those are just those are kind of the main names, right? But we all, oh, and Anthony Seymour, who's a legitimate 80 grade yeah, runner. He's
1: absurd. I've yeah, like he's
0: them. he's so fast. Uh, and then th- and then there's guys like Marcus Mooney who are really quick, Kevin Josephino who are really quick. I mean, and all they do is just kill people with singles. Like it it is all singles all the time with like Christian Pache and Anthony Concepcion occasionally hitting a double, Juan Lopez occasionally hitting a double, and like but other than that they're just running wild in low A. Uh, so they're really fun to watch. Um, Randy Ventura has been the kind of a funny guy because, you know, when he was in the Dominican Summer League, he stole like 50 or 60 bases, and everyone wanted to know how well he was going to do. It was kind of like a running joke that he was like kind of like the man, the myth, the legend type thing. Uh, but he's definitely thicker, I think, than he was in the DSL, but he can hit. Uh, he's got really good hands, uh, drives the ball to the opposite field really well. Uh, he's a legitimate prospect, and he's a good right fielder, too. Uh, Christian Pache looked really good in the field. Uh, at, at the plate, it's been kind of hit and miss at times. Uh, the approach on this whole team is a little, you know, You know, it's it's a swing first, ask ask questions later um, type of approach. They they, they do strike out a good bit, but they also put the ball in. They're also like they make enough contact. And once they do, they start, you know, basically every single is a threat to be a double or a triple. So uh, the position prospects have looked really fun uh, and really interesting. Um, The two pitchers I saw, started pitching anyway, uh, I saw Jeremy Walker. Uh, He was holding 93-95 into like the fifth or sixth inning when I was there. Uh, Fastball was a little flat. Uh, it seemed kind of hittable, but he was spotting it pretty well, and breaking ball was pretty good. Uh, so he was kind of a he was, it was kind of a little bit of a surprise to see how good he was. Joey Wentz is an interesting pitcher because I wasn't super impressed. I thought his fastball was pretty flat, and he was only throwing. I I never saw a pitch on a gun higher than 91 for him. Um, but he was you know he was moving the ball around in the zone enough and that's kind of what he's been doing all years is kind of you know like his, he he he'll locate his pitcher he, he's not like a dedicated like i pitch to the outside type of guy or i pitch up or anything like that he he does move the ball around a good bit and the breaking ball looked pretty good um so the, that's what i saw that i mean the, the relievers you know there's kind of is what it is they've they've had to do a lot of work recently uh, cuz they it seems like Rome's constantly in these games where like you know, like, gets the extra innings and it's like one game the other day was like 18 innings and that was the night that i had to recap and i was not happy <laughs> um but yeah, it was it was it was a long it was a long day, um, but you know they with low A, you know it's you 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 are operating under the assumption that these are all basically most of them are right at this point are teenagers or barely played any full season ball, so I don't trade too many conclusions. But Ian Anderson has looked great. Uh, he's striking out batters at a really high clip. Um, you know, a little bit a little bit wild right now, just a little bit. Uh, he's walking a few guys, but nothing. Nothing that's too much of a red flag, and his stuff has looked really, really good—breaking uh, ball and fastball especially. Um, now, if we're just talking about guys in general that I've really liked, Alex Jackson is hitting the cover off the ball. I mean, he's—I—I well, I, I had it pulled up earlier, but I think his like his OPS is like almost a thousand.
1: Yeah, I year? was that, that. was the guy I was going to ask you about specifically because that's the name that people keep asking uh, me and the Talking Chop account about. And it's I mean it's a it's a, he's a big name, but also sort of a buy low that the Braves did. So uh, I saw the numbers. Obviously, I will defer to you on scouting stuff, but uh, it seems pretty encouraging at least early on.
0: Uh, he looks looks looks
1: really good. I mean, I,
0: I think he's like striking out maybe at a, like a little less than a quarter uh, quarter of the time, which is not really what you want to see, especially since I think he's only walked twice. But he's also kind of – he's making really good loud contact, and he's working deep counts. Uh, the nice thing about the Firefrog – well, the bad thing about the Firefrogs is that they don't have an MILB TV stream. Uh, nothing, no one in the Florida State League really has you know, video streams of them, which is really infuriating. But their audio stream is excellent. So you kind of get a good idea as to kind of what's happening in the bats. And you know, it gives you at least some semblance of what's going on. And between what – I've asked a few people how he's, how he's looked at the plate – uh, as well as kind of following that. You know, he's working deep counts. It doesn't seem like he has an approach problem. Uh, it doesn't seem like his swing is super long. He's just, he's been really, really good. He's, he, he, I think he went hit list today, but I think he's had three games all year where he hasn't gotten a hit. He's just had constant streaks over and over again, uh, doing really, really well. Um, And, you know, hitting for power, hitting for average. You know, right now I think he's hitting like 320, 330, something like that. You know, he's just doing really well. And more importantly, behind the plate, he's probably played a little less than half the games there. Uh, and his pitchers love him. He's calling good games. You know, when they're struggling, he'll, he seems to like be able to kind of rein them back in and start calling pitches to kind of get them back to get their confidence back. And, you know, I don't think he's trying to do too much back there. And he hasn't, I think he has one pass ball, maybe a couple errors, you know, a couple throwing errors, uh, has caught a couple base stealers. He hasn't, he hasn't caught guys at like a high, high clip, but you know, considering a guy who hasn't caught since high school, I mean, that's, for, and for an organization that desperately needs a catching prospect, he's a really good one. Uh, and I think that there's he's gotten better and better behind the plate defensively. That he's he's going to jump up jump up some lists in terms of prospects this year. And he's really really good start so far. Um, pitching wise, I mean, to the surprise of absolutely no one, here we go. Uh, Mike Soroka is really good at baseball. Bro. Yes, yes, really give it r- to me. Uh, okay, well, for. To be fair, Colby Allard is also really, really good at baseball. That whole rotation is ridiculous down in Mississippi. For any of our listeners who are in Mississippi, just go to Pearl and just watch any of the, any of those guys. Any of them is fine because they're all so good, uh, and they're, they're, they're so fun to watch for all of them or for different reasons. But Mike's just not giving up anything. And it, it's, it's hilarious because the first start I saw, the strike zone, this umpire – was easily two-thirds the normal strike zone. It was, he wasn't giving up anything on the outside, right? Just like if it was on the outside corner, it was a ball. It didn't matter. I, Mike's given up, I think, six hits all year so far. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, first he had, a, first he had a five shutout innings, I think. The next one, he gave up one earned run where he was, it was with one out left in the game. He was, it, was a, it was a doubleheader, and he was in the seventh inning. And the last hitter, he left a ball up and the guy hit a solo home run, but that was the first hit. Or I'm sorry, the first run he had given up all day, and I think it was the third hit all day. And he struck out a bunch of guys. And then this last game, he gave up two runs, but it was – he gave up uh, – he hit up – in his last inning, he hit a batter, gave up his first hit of the day, which was a triple, scoring that runner. And the other runner scored on a wild pitch. He didn't give up another hit in that game. Bat- batters are batting 108 against him. Is that good? Seems pretty good. Yeah, I mean, and he's striking out batters. He's just, he looks, and he's the guy that we, I've been preaching about for a long time. He's a, you know, he's a command and control guy. His stuff is better than people give him credit for. He doesn't have Tukey's or Freed's curve and he doesn't have Weigel's or or Newcomb's fastball that runs up 98, but he changes speeds well. He knows how to pitch and his changeup is so much better this year. It's really keeping, batters can't sit on, you know, can't sit on his fastball because that changeup is going to eat him. Uh, and he's and he's throwing strikes and guys are really off balance. He gets some really ugly swings on pitches that you wouldn't expect him to get really ugly pitches uh, swings and misses on. Uh, he's striking out more batters this year than he was last year. Um, I thought that a move up like a, an aggressive move up might help him a bit because you know he's not just going up. He's not against low way hitters or just you know you know swinging and praying because there's not there's not as much of a thought process because they haven't really learned how to hit yet. These are guys who are going to try to outthink Mike and it's just not going to work. So, you know, he's going to be able to outthink them and get them to do things that they don't want to do. So really excited how he started the year. The whole rent, Mississippi rotation has been excellent. But uh, in particular, Colby and Mike have really been really, really good.
1: Yeah, we actually got a question uh, from Patrick Mollett on Twitter. I appreciate the question, Patrick. Um, he asks, uh, you know, he, he basically says, it's still early, assuming Allard and Soroka do well. Should the Braves keep them both in AA all season, regardless of how well they do? I guess people are trying to already start pushing these guys, but it's worth uh, uh, um, worth asking.
0: I mean, it all—it it depends a lot of what happens in, in AAA more than anything. I don't think that if you aggressively promote pitchers to AA, that moving them up to AAA is going to matter much either way. If that makes any sense, if they're if they do really well in AA, then they're probably going to be competing for the same slots that they would normally be in spring training next year. Um, it depends. For example, Lucas Sims has been intermittently quite good. This season, he's had a couple, you know, he's, it, it, it hasn't been peak Lucas Sims where he's good for four innings and then he gives up six runs or anything, but, you know, has had some inconsistencies, but overall he's, you know, he's, he's been doing pretty well. Uh, do they move him to the bullpen out of the rotation? Uh, do the, do they do something with Sean Newcomb where he gets called up? Um, there's, you know, there's questions in that Gwinnett rotation, uh, Aaron Blair, Matt Whistler, chief among them. Um, if there's openings that open up, I think a guy like Patrick Weigel, who's a little bit older, would be inclined to get promoted first and again all these guys have been pitching well so it's not like a a huge you know consideration one way or the other other than maybe like you know like age and wanting to be able to get give guys enough time and reps and things like that um freed being another one because he's already on the 40-man roster Uh, although he hasn't he's actually had a really rough start to the year um you know it's if they're pitching really well, do you move them up? Maybe, but like I said, I think there's a lot with moving from the guys from Double A AA to Triple A. I think it has a lot more to do with what's going on with the Triple A roster than anything else, because there's not really that much of a reason to move them to Triple A. Yeah,
1: I mean, is it? It's sort of always the question. Like people always treat. I mean, this makes sense that they treat it linearly to be going from Double to Triple A. But a lot of times, you know, the top prospects are not in Triple A. They're normally a nope. little bit lower. So I don't know. It wouldn't be that big of a deal. And with that said, I can't imagine them pushing them too well, especially because you know a lot of the. Uh, a lot of the reason, I don't want to say a lot, maybe some of the reason the, to have a guy in, in Gwinnett is to have him close to the big league club. And neither of those guys are coming up anytime soon uh, to the big league club because they're still incredibly young. So I, it would surprise me if they wanted to push. Because uh, Listen, pushing those they're guys. They're both
0: nope, going to be 19 until say, August, Brad. <laughs>
1: them, being, them, being, them being in double A right now is pushing them, to be honest. I mean, given no, no, their age. The, I, I was, I, 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 we, we knew that Freed
0: was going to go. And I was sure that Weigel was going to stay there because he he ended the year like I think he made two or three starts for Mississippi at the end of the year. Uh, I thought they were going to be there. I was genuinely shocked. I, I thought that the the high A to double A to jump I understand a lot more as moving him up, one to get more experienced competition again get a more against more experienced competition. Uh, to move them up right to double A was kind of shocking to me, given how young they are. But I talked to at least I think I talked to five different players and said that those two guys had unbelievable springs unbelievable springs and that's why they got bumped up they actually uh i heard a rumor that uh allard soroka and austin riley had already got an apartment together in orlando and then they got the call saying they were going to mississippi instead so wow. now austin riley so austin riley had to like you know get uh, that, that, that's the rumor i heard whether or not it's true or not is completely different but you know it's it's just hilarious to me that you know i mean like it, I, th- I think that those guys really showed out in the spring and you know they're now they're doing it in the regular season and it's really fun to watch,
1: for sure. Uh, and listen, it's always good. It's, it's exciting when the big league club, especially, is struggling to look down and see all this uh, incredible talent in the uh, minors. And it's always it's it's better to have that than the way that it used to be. Even you know three four years ago when it was uh, you know Sean Gilmartin <laughs> Martin and who else was it? Oh J R Graham. We got J R Todd Cunningham. Graham. Uh, Christian uh, Court was the number one guy for a while. Uh, t- uh,
0: uh todd um todd cunningham we've got um oh there's there's some real gems i gotta think uh oh there's a another guy whose name i can't remember now but he was like he was like a first round pick in like 2011 and he was around forever but he's no longer what they were gonna
1: yeah there was a lot there was a lot going on so it's nice to have the have fun guys to talk about um down there uh well eric i appreciate you doing this man Uh, please plug your show if you don't if you don't do it then i will but i'm gonna let you try to do Uh, uh, it first
0: all right, I'll try. Uh, each week, or we're, we're still trying to get it sorted out for how we're going to do it in season because week, weekly recaps, you know, can seem a little bit tedious. Uh, but the the name of our podcast that I do along with Garrett Spain, you might know him as Braves Farm Updates on Twitter, uh, as well as Garav Vidak, you may know him as Braves Reddit on Twitter. Uh, we all do a minor league podcast. It's called The Road to Atlanta. Uh, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at at Road the number two Atlanta. Uh, and we, it's basically an hour-long show, and we have guests on sometimes. Uh, hopefully, we're going to be able to get some players on soon. Uh, we've had, you know, a lot of some we have radio guys. We've had analysts from Baseball America come on as well. Uh, and we just t- we talk minor league baseball, and this during the season it's going to be a lot of going through what's happened in the previous week or two, talking about the developments and these guys, seeing what we're what we're seeing, things we're worried about, things we're not worried about, uh, and really just kind of getting really having really in-depth discussions about the all aspects about minor league baseball. Uh, the the fortunate thing about what we do is that we can dig. We, since we don't have to parse too much what's going on in the major league club, we can really we can talk about guys that don't necessarily get much coverage from you know national media or even prospect ranking lists because you know those are the kind of guys that can sneak up and be really interesting uh and it also is a nod to these teams because you know there's gonna be a there are so many players on these rosters that are never going to see the major leagues but that doesn't mean that they didn't do something valuable on the field or something interesting so we really delve into that and we you know we try to tell those stories as well as talk about player development and you know try to give you give useful information and preview guys who we hope will be in atlanta in the next couple years
1: yeah, for sure. Please, please spru- subscribe to all that fun stuff. And also the uh, road to land is hosted on com. So there's a post uh, that Eric does up. I believe you write it usually, right? Um, yeah, it goes usually. up, it goes up after the uh, podcast on, uh, on, on the site. So check that out as well. Um, Eric, uh, Again, man, I appreciate you doing this. As always, we'll do it again shortly because uh, we're in season and there's like stuff to talk about. It's really, it's really nice, uh, and it's it's almost harder for you guys to do well, the hourly stuff. Well,
0: I, well I have to catch up with Scott, right? Because I mean, I don't know how many appearances he has on me now, but he definitely has a few now.
1: Yeah, the problem the problem is, and this is a little bit inside, inside baseball, is that I, I don't sleep, and Scott is on West Coast time, so we can record at like 11 p.m. and it's for me, and it's great because Scott's awake. But, uh, yeah, you, I, you're definitely number two. I mean, aside from Carlos, it's Scott, and then it's you in terms of uh, appearances. But, yeah, we'll have to see if you can catch, catch okay, Scott earlier. Okay,
0: okay, first of all, I I heard the waiver in your voice when you said I was the number two. No, Second, I was trying to do the math. Like, am I secondly, messing somebody? No, I think that's true. I have, I have, I have a funny story. So we, we we did the podcast where we previewed every single minor league roster that was released. Oh, yes. We started recording that at, like, 10.30 at night and it was a two-hour podcast that I then had to edit that night.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, I know the, I know the feeling well, uh, for those of you that don't know, I also host a daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. You're um, a mute. So yeah, there's All some, right. there's some late night stuff going on for sure. But uh, listen, I'll have to have you on more. I'll take full responsibility for not having you on uh, lately. No, it's but Carlos' is, no,
0: it's Carlos's fault. It's fine. I'm oh, fine.
1: everything everything's always Carlos' fault. But uh yeah. I, I do want to have you on more often. Uh, now that we <laughs> have uh, broken the seal since you started your own podcast, I wanted to let that simmer a little bit. Let people focus on that a little bit. Oh uh,
0: no, I, I, look, I, lo- I love listening to Scott. I love I love when Carlos comes on. I mean, I I. I People would get tired of listening to me and reading my stuff, anyway. You know what I mean? I lo- I love listening <laughs> to all of you I mean, I, I and and it's, and some days, honestly, it's probably better that like I probably have not given access to a recording device and a microphone because sometimes I get really salty. Uh, in particular, the rumors today that because Ozzy Albies was in the state of New York that the Braves are gonna be calling him up. Um, oh
1: my goodness!
0: Know. Yeah, this is a thing. This was a thing I today. That.
1: I missed that actually.
0: Oh uh, no, he, he took an Instagram post and like Gwinnett is playing Rochester. And he, all it was, was a picture of of Ozzy Albies sitting and it said New York, New York on it, which was clearly like he was either in the city visiting, what since like their game got rained out today, or like he just was to say New York, New York on Instagram. But you know, one funny Twitter post turned into Ozzy Albie's is going to be called up, and is he going to play third base? And I was like, what is even happening? No, right now? no,
1: he is not going to play third base. No, he
0: is not. No, he is not. But somehow it got into Bowman's ear, and he had to clarify that this is not going to be happening.
1: Yeah, so. and if Bowman has to address it, you know, Bow- Bowman's the uh, the chief. Well, so. well, well that, well, that was that was Scott saying, "Please stop
0: this." Please. Oh, I'm
1: sure. And Scott has the for, for, somehow Scott has the direct line to Mark Bowman, which I always appreciate about Scott, because um, <laughs> it's good. We can get we can get Bowman's comments whenever we need him. So, shout out to Mark Bowman. Shout out to you, Eric Cole. I appreciate you doing this, my friend.
0: Absolutely, it was a blast, man.
1: Uh, all right. Well, uh, as for the uh, as for everybody else, we'll be back next week. Uh, hopefully, the Reds will ride the ship by then. And uh, even if they haven't, we'll be here. So stay tuned.
0: Support for this show comes from HubSpot. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Doing business has never felt harder. But you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You just need HubSpot. Because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this. High-quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking
1: quarters. It's not a miracle